From architecture to painting and sculpture, literature to live music and theater, Radio 111 presents Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza with The Desert Scene, your connection to culture and entertainment in the desert cities. Here's Bonnie and Brian. And welcome to the desert scene. Uh, I'm so glad it's fall. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Finally, we're cooling off, which is so great. Uh, no, really. It has been nice to go outside for once yeah. and not feel like I'm burning up. Yeah, and you wake up in the morning, you can open the doors, and there's a breeze coming in. It's just great. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> so, um, I am, uh, for full disclosure, I'm, um, I'm glad we're on radio because I uh, had my eyes dilated this morning. I went to the eye doctor and it had to wait for quite a while and got in there later than I'd hoped. So they're still coming back to normal. So <laughs> I think I can read my notes well enough. So anyway, so um, I want we were talking before we got on. I want, can I tell the Barbara Corcoran yeah, story? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, I, didn't, I don't watch The View anymore. I watched it way back, way back, way back when. But now they just kind of talk over each other. I mean, I respect all the women. But, but this was on Facebook that apparently Barbara Corcoran, who's that little Petite blonde who uh, does, she's on uh, Shark Tank yeah. and she does the commercials for the local mm-hmm. real estate guy. Get your home sold. And she was on Dancing with the Stars. She's a little like five two little thing. She apparently was a guest on The View, and somebody was talking about I don't know, was it Dancing with the Stars something about costumes or clothing and mentioning something. And Whoopi Goldberg was joking around and said, "Do you make them big enough for you know a big COVID rear end like mine?" You know. Being, making fun of herself. Oh, yeah, of course. And Barbara Corcoran said something like, well, you know, Whoopi, when you're done with them, you know, give them to me and I'll make and I'll make two two pairs for me or I'll make two costumes for myself. You know, kind of fat shaming Whoopi Goldberg. And she didn't care for that too much. And the audience booed, apparently. And then Anna Navarro, who's also on there, came to her defense. And anyway, Barbara Corcoran has since apologized. But it's like, why do you say stuff like that, even to begin with? You know? No, I mean, you're right. It's one of those things where, like, you almost want to, I don't know how to put it, but you almost want to tell people sometimes, like, you know, you don't have to say everything on your in your mind right exactly. now. Exactly. And it's also one of those things where, like, I, I kind of hate to say it this way, but I kind of figure if you are on a show like Shark Tank and your idea is to be able to negotiate and talk to clients, I think knowing uh, knowing a little, you ha- knowing some tact would be part of the job what to say and when to say yeah, yeah. and the other thing is and I, again i can't remember who originally originated this but i love this this phrase someone once said um before you say something ask yourself if it, if it's true if it's kind and if it's necessary and if it is not all those three of those things you probably shouldn't be saying it i mean you, you don't have to say everything if everybody said everything that popped into their head Oh my gosh, we'd have even more gun violence than we do now, and we'd have more because everyone would be mad all the time. And sometimes you just have to hold your tongue and no, not say it. And it's one of those things where, like you said, like it wasn't necessary for her to say it. And it's also one of those things where I, I feel like for me, even if let's say Whoopi took it a certain way where she didn't exactly like, you know, take uh, get offended per se, I still feel like you kind of have to know your audience a little bit like thank you the audience for the view for the most part are stay-at-home women or women on their break from work probably are a little heavier than they'd like to be yeah yeah. like let's be honest like the the view has always been a show that has been sort of like these are your these are not glamorous movie stars every these are every woman yeah every woman Mm -hmm. yeah and you know the show got a lot of criticism 
a lot of jokes because of the fact that they're oh, they've always been good at having bigger women on the mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna be honest, that's a that's a great thing because Absolutely. how many shows have you seen where they're all size two or four the, or whatever? Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. right now, like. You have Megan McCain. You have all these people. Well, not well, and the, when they first started, Star Jones Star who was Jones. a big woman. Yeah. And the thing is that I, I'm glad that the Star Jones jokes have gone away because they've shown that, well, they were nobody was really skinny on the View. Like mm-hmm. nobody really was. Even the thinnest. Lisa woman. Ling, very when she first started, she was on the. She's thin, but you she's know. thin, but like not. Most of them are kind of yeah. curvy. Yeah. They're curvy. So yeah. like for me, it's like. It's one of those things where, like, you. I always assume that the, your audience will be a little bit bigger than you. Like, mm-hmm. for example, like, I assume the audience for The View, like you said, bigger women. Mm-hmm. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. I just think that if you're on a show where you know your audience is a certain kind, it's not really great to go up there and make those types of jokes without really being mindful about the, about the audience because they might not take it the way you do and you know and i just i am not a fan of really ever making jokes about someone's appearance i mean i just don't think that's necessary and i don't think that's you know what i mean oh no i get you. I, I just there's other things that are funny in life you know i think you should stay away from that i think it's i think those types of jokes are always funnier in my opinion when someone makes them about themselves, themselves. Yeah. exactly like um john mulaney he looks you know he admits he looks like a very tall child like he has a very youthful face and because he doesn't grow facial hair for the most part mm-hmm. he looks like a tall child and so he goes around calling himself tall, tall child yeah, you're, you can you have the right to make those jokes about yourself but yeah. I, ju- I think other people making them about somebody else is just tacky no I, I think so too I yeah. think I think if that's the only joke you have it's not really funny and <laughs> get <laughs> but, some better material that's true and it's funny because the one show that I always like to call the making fun of someone's appearance show was spitting image it's a very famous british show where they used to have like the really ugly caricature puppets of characters i don't know if you remember that uh, show from and the i 80s. don't yeah and i'll pull up like th- their most famous target was margaret thatcher, thatcher. Oh, yeah. gosh. and while the puppets themselves were always grotesque looking i gotta hand it to them that they never really relied just on appearances that they also went after like a person's politics uh, not politics but like made fun of the person or made sort of jokes okay yeah oh i've seen yeah much more pictures deeper. of those yeah yeah oh yeah okay so i always think it's interesting that a show like spitting image which uses grotesque like caricatures of people never mm-hmm. really relied on their appearance as a joke mm-hmm. but rather their character mm-hmm. so like someone like mm-hmm. margaret thatcher coming across as power hungry is the joke right not right. the fact that she has an ugly puppet which right. admittedly is an yeah. ugly puppet yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i mean margaret thatcher isn't did she pass away did she pass away no yeah she passed away Thank a while you. back i though. mean she wasn't hideous i mean she wasn't a glamour girl no, yeah, but it wasn't like she was a gargoyle or something you know <laughs> yeah but i think what i'm trying to say is that like the because on this show part of you would think that the whole joke is the ugly puppet for someone's physical appearance but it really is about the person mm-hmm. and so it's kind of funny to me that that whenever i see comedians makes like physical appearance jokes about other people mm-hmm. i kind of feel like they always land on the same groups like oh this pr- big women yeah. like they always end up it's yeah. very rare that i hear jokes about big men to be honest with you you know what rarely you rarely. rarely and the other thing about the view is you for me 
it seemed that the original premise Barbara Walters came up with is to have this group of women who, yeah, discussed issues and different viewpoints about issues, but in general were supportive of each other. Oh, and yeah. I would think that that's, you want to keep that, especially, and with the guests as well. If you're a guest on somebody's show like that, you don't come on there and insult them, you know? I just think that was not smart. <laughs> not not very intelligent. But yeah. moving on from The yes. View, I wanted to ask you, do you know, since we're all big fans of Broadway here, do you have do you have any Broadway flops that come to mind, or do you want me to name some for you? Cause yeah, name me some Broadway flops that'll oh, help yeah. trigger, my, trigger my memory. So the reason why I'm inspired to talk about this is because I saw um, the Diana... A musical on on Netflix, and I thought it wasn't very good. Oh, uh, I've heard a lot of bad stuff yeah, about it. I, I kind of mm. feel it's one of those things where you just, I just feel like the subject matter doesn't lend itself very to a well. musical. Musical, okay. And I feel like maybe to a TV show, yes. To a mm-hmm. movie, yes. A but musical, n- not so much. Yeah, you got to have like. This is going to sound really controversial. You got to have somebody as flamboyant as Lloyd Webber to be able to do it because mm-hmm. um, if he could do something, because Evita also died young. Yeah. Yeah. So for me to see um, Diana, I just think that took the most interesting parts of Diana and just did nothing with them. Like, mm. I don't know. For me, the most interesting thing that you can do with a musical is the fact that Diana had a lot of personal pain and mm-hmm. personal mm-hmm. problems and they just didn't do anything with them. Yeah. So that's why I'm inspired to talk about this because okay. I want to know. So some of the most famous ones are Via Galactica, which is a very, very, like, if you haven't heard of it, you I, haven't heard of yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> I haven't, so, okay. Because it lost a million dollars. Okay. <laughs> and right. it opened on Broadway and it's about a group of, like, drifters in outer space and they had spaceships, and here's some pictures I can show. Sounds like a bad premise to start with. And here's some pictures where they had some really bad costumes. Yeah, no, no, no. Like very... Bad idea. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and it was praised at the time for having diversity, but it's also one of those things where, like, can you put those people of color in better shows? Thank you, yeah, yeah. please. (laughs) Like, I was going to say Breakfast at Tiffany's was a flop, too. Um, chess, which is the very now. Ch- I've seen chess now because they did it at CV Rep. I kind of liked chess. I actually thought so too. And there's some great songs in there. In fact, there's a duet that I'm probably going to do with Siobhan in our next show. What called um, "I Know Him So Well," and it's a great theme, two women duet. There's some good music. See, I didn't. I like chess. Yeah, I liked it. And chess is actually produced by the two men from ABBA, so Benny and Bjorn. Mm-hmm. So you can really hear it in there. The talent. Yeah. The show itself has always been notorious because it was it's it's the one flop that i think most people would want to see back on broadway yeah. i thought it, i liked the show i thought it was a good show yeah, yeah. and also like carrie stephen king's carrie got turned why into would you <laughs> make a musical about <laughs> carrie i mean seriously it, it's weird because that's one of the f- when people think of flops that's the first yeah. one they think of and that musical they had a lot of problems on stage for example like you know with the bucket of blood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let's just say um you're imagine you're singing with a microphone and, and a you bu- got bucket of blood bad idea bad what they idea. had to do was also like and especially since you have to sing right after yeah you got that stuff you're breathing in whatever that they actually used um, ugh. so what happened was that they had to do it where they not only the, there was also a problem with the fact that the bucket wouldn't drop precisely on her. Mm-hmm. That she would stand a little off and yeah. the bucket would hit something else. And so, like, other problems would include, like, the telekinesis. The wires would drop. Mm-hmm. Wires would fall everywhere. So, you had a lot of technical issues and it just wasn't viable. Ba- bad idea. I think so, too. You know. And the music was 
was pretty good. Like, it's not terrible. It's not, the story is not a good story for a musical. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen some dark stories, but I've also seen that the special effects to me is yeah. what bothers me because yeah. it's like, you. I don't think you can pull off those special effects on Broadway. Yeah. Also, I feel like when they try to do it, they've changed it up so much where like she doesn't get the blood thrown on her they actually have someone like a stagehand run in and throw Throw blood at her yeah so like sometimes i heard that the stagehand wouldn't even be costumed it would just be like a guy in a black like suit and so it would be kind of weird because you would ask yourself how would the villains get away with this if they're the ones running on stage pouring blood and in the movie they're they're hiding yeah yeah you know they have a uh, mechanism and another famous broadway um broadway flop was the rocky horror show yeah. Well, uh, now see, and that's too bad because we again, uh, Desert Rose just did it and it was fabulous. They and, did a great job. And I think it's only a Broadway flop by technicality because it's way more famous than most Broadway mm-hmm. shows now. Like I've, I, I've met people who have never heard of Evita, or I've met people who've never heard of Les Miserables, or into the woods but those they've heard people need to get out of their cave <laughs> good lord but i've met people who know what the rocky yeah, horror show yeah, is yeah. and so it's kind of weird for a broadway flop it's more popular than a lot of broadway yeah, shows yeah surprisingly interesting okay well i think rocky horror and chess are the two best ones out of all that your whole list so. <laughs> all right we're gonna be back with uh, some more entertainment news and some great guests a little later we'll be back on the desert scene in just a bit Desert Scene on Radio 111. Cultural events and the people who make it happen in the desert cities with Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza. We are back on the Desert Scene and uh, one of the news uh, stories that um, Brian has is uh, so they're saying uh, the founder of the Don- Donish- originally Donishore tournament um, so it's going to stay in the valley like the, the actual valley. party but the golf tournament this. is going to be moving to texas okay and why did they pick texas it's such an interesting decision considering a lot of things but like it's houston specifically and a lot of people in the valley you know they have mixed opinions about it like they feel that that since the dyna is really popular in pond springs always been very it's always yeah it's it's become such a pond spring staple that they should have the tournament here and might as well just keep it here and a lot of people are saying well you know what i wasn't a big fan of the actual like tournament i'm here for the party so it doesn't matter to me but i still feel like people want to did you did you hear was there a specific reason somebody gave as to why they moved at all and then secondly why they picked houston and was there a reason behind that? I don't know because okay. I'm under the impression that the that they kind of got a better deal in Texas. That the Houston, that okay. the tournament at least got a better deal over there, or their contract mm-hmm. was better, and so they went over there. And I think that they were trying to be intelligent about keeping the party here at least. The, yeah, because that for, first of all, a couple things. I don't see Texas as being very. Uh, 
gay friendly, no. uh, you know. I mean, it's not a gay-friendly state, as far as I know. And, um, you know, the dinosaur and the party has always kind of been thought of as uh, uh, it's a huge party for lesbians to come to Palm Springs and, hey, just be wild and crazy. So that's kind of interesting. And I actually, gosh, it's been uh, 15 years, something like that. One season, one year, I worked at the front desk. I was the front desk receptionist at the office at Mission Hills Country Club, the golf tournament office. And it was a really fun job. And the people were great. It was a small office. I think there were maybe six of us, seven of us. Um, now, when tournament rolled around, it got pretty crazy. It got very intense and very busy and phones ringing off the hook and oh, people yeah. upset. And that, I'm kind of tightly wound, so I got bored. For, but it was a fun job, and I, I'm, I'm glad I did it. But that's really too bad that they're leaving. And the other thing is that um, they're actually moving. They're possibly, they're going to move the date from april to september because they feel that the because according to the founder of the uh, uh mariah henson she said hansen i mean she said we're moving to september for better rates april is no longer affordable to us because they feel that a lot that the coachella valley has gotten way more expensive and that certain events have become so astronomically priced yeah that it becomes very difficult for their guests to pay for rooms and I think that that's actually a fair point because the fact is that, yeah, I can see that because I feel like even events like the Dinah and White Party are so expensive to begin with mm. that I can imagine like like someone that's like, oh, I'm going to save my money for the event. And then the actual hotel prices go up and it's like, oh, well, I can't yeah. can't afford that much more. It's such a shame. Well, I think it's too bad. Yeah. it's But you know what? Life is about change, so sometimes you just have to... Let's talk about Jagged Little Pill. Jagged Little Pill. So, what's going on with Jagged Little Pill? Well, they're under a lot of controversy because of the fact that a lot... Because the show itself is about... It features Alanis Morrison music. Mm -hmm. And one of the most famous... One of the parts about the musical is that a character's non-binary. So, like, someone mm -hmm. who doesn't identify as a man mm -hmm. or a woman, and they fit in the trans right. umbrella. Well, what happened is that they made a lot of issues where a lot of the actors have accused the producers as being very, like, discriminatory. Where, for example, one non-binary actor said, I was sick and I was told to have a certain surgery. And the producer said, well, if you know, if you need that surgery, you're, you'll have to leave the show. We're gonna, not going to require you. Or you either work through it or you quit. You're wow. fired. So a lot of them feel like they're being discriminated against, while another one felt, another non-binary actor felt that they were picked on a lot during the uh, on set. Mm -hmm. And the fact is that they've also gotten a lot of controversy in the te in the preview screenings of it, not preview screening, preview performances, mm -hmm. that the non-binary character was played by a woman instead of a non-binary actor. So the whole idea is that while they fixed the original problem of not having non-binary actors, it seems that a lot of the actors now feel discriminated against or picked on or hmm. attacked. And hmm. so the producers now feel like they have to do an investigation on the whole thing. Wow. That's too bad. That's unfortunate. Have you ever been in a situation where like you feel like a certain group was picked on during a show that you've done? Um, not a certain group? No. Um, you know, there's always... 
in show, showbiz, there's always egos and there are always personalities and there are personality clashes. And I, I've seen I've seen things where one person, like a director and one actor, don't get along, or you know, two act, you know, individual people, not a, not groups per se. Oh, yeah. But I've seen some you know personality clashes and egos that have become a problem. And yeah. I, and I think for me the worst part is the fact that if a person says they have to get some surgery. I think that it is kind of sad to make them feel terrible. Yeah, absolutely. If they have to get it, especially considering that it wasn't like a cosmetic surgery; it was an actual. It was something like, that was needed physically, uh, like for a their medical health. surgery, yeah. like a kidney transplant yeah. or something like that. No, that's pretty. That's kind of, yeah, that's not good. No, yeah. it's not horrible. No, no, no. But we have a guest coming on. Yes, soon. Christy King, my buddy Christy King. She's a fabulous singer, and she's in a new show at Frankie's uh, Italian Bakery and Supper Club in the back room coming up. We're going to talk to her in just a few minutes on the desert scene. Brian continue with the desert scene on Radio 111. Here they are. And we're back on the desert scene on Radio 111, our new home. And I'm really happy to have on. She's she's a veteran. She's been on this on the show many times. So my buddy Christy King, who is perhaps one of the hardest working singers in the in the valley, that's for sure. And she's got a <laughs> bunch of stuff coming up, but a big show coming up at Frankie's. Hey, Christy, how are you? Hi, Bonnie. I'm good. And she, and of course, in between all her singing, she's a jet setter. She's traveling all over the world, Italy and Capri and Mexico and all over the place. Um, but so, <laughs> so the season's kind of ramping up now. So uh, yeah. first, first, tell us about the Frankie Show. I know you got a bunch of stuff, but tell us about the Frankie Show. Yeah. Well, that's uh, October 16th uh, at 6 o'clock at uh, Frankie's. Old World Italian Bakery and Backroom Showroom. Mm-hmm. That's a long one. Yeah. And uh, it is a dinner show, and uh, it is going to be basically a, a tribute show, mm-hmm. a tribute dinner show with several different entertainers besides myself. Um, I'll be doing Doris Day, mm-hmm. which I've been doing a tribute to Doris for 13 years now. Mm-hmm. So I'll be doing my segment. Then uh, Kitty Murray, uh, who is one of the singers in my group, the Sensational Jewels, Fabulous. which I'm sure many of you, yeah, yeah many of you seen, and Bonnie, you included. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you always for your support. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, Kitty <clears throat> will be doing Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. which she which she does in our show, and it's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yep, we'll be all dressed in the uh, tribute attire, and then uh, Frankie Mamoni who is the owner of Frankie's, uh, will be doing Jerry Vale. And he's fabulous doing Jerry Vale, yeah. Yes, he is. And we love him so much. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful person, period. Anyway, then there's Tommy Dodson. Mm -hmm. And I haven't met Tommy, so I'm looking forward to that. He's He's really good. Yeah, Yeah. I can't wait to meet him. He's going to be doing Nat King Cole. Mm -hmm. And then Joel Baker, who is our piano player and musical director, he'll be doing, uh, gosh. Robert Goulet. What the heck is he doing? Robert Goulet. Robert Goulet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
That's... I sang with Robert Glay when I was 13 years old. Wow, <laughs> yeah, what a what an amazing talent he was. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so great. And each of each of those, you all the performers are matched up really well, I think, with the, the performer you're doing tribute to. So it's, it's, it's going to be so much fun. And... Um, uh, and of course, the back room. If people haven't been to the back room at, at Frankie's, it's fabulous. I mean, he's got a wonderful Italian bakery, but that back room they they've transformed into kind of a New York cabaret room, and it's wonderful. It's a wonderful room. It really is. Show. Yeah, and Bonnie, you've performed there many times as well. And Bonnie does her Rosalie Clooney. It's a great room. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, we we've all we've all been back there, and mm-hmm. it it is a beautiful room. You feel like you're in a New York speakeasy in a way, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yes. It has a very, uh, a very unique, uh, sexy mm-hmm. vibe. Yes. You know, it's just decorated, beautiful, gorgeous stage, a mm-hmm. black grand piano. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's really, a, it's a beautiful room. Uh, he's uh, having a, a amazing food as he always does. Yes. He's making lasagna, which is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And. And salad and bread and dessert cannoli, and then he's going to have a vegetarian. So it's quite a bit of uh, entertainment and food. Yes, uh, for the ticket price. Yeah, yeah. Let's get this. Seventy dollars a person, yeah. and that's show. It is seventy dollars a person. You know, some people are like, "Oh, good lord!" But you know, uh, listen. <laughs> You you couldn't go to Vegas and see anything for that, and you wouldn't get dinner. Right. <laughs> so right. I just left Vegas. Yeah. I just left there, and I mean, I couldn't. You couldn't see anything for under one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you know, I know times are tough, but listen, you know, a lot of people have been cooped up, and they're desperate so, to get out and see something fun. Yes. Yes. Well, and why not see something that's really a variety, mm-hmm. and also have a beautiful meal and be in this beautiful setting? Yes. So to me, it's it's a win all the way around. I'm very excited about it. Good. And so 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 again, it's sa- it's Saturday, October sixteenth, six p.m. Correct. Um, the phone number is seven six zero seven seven zero thirteen hundred. You get tickets there or go to frankiesitalianbakery.com and by the way just a quick shout out to in addition to frankie hope diamond was very instrumental in in putting that room together i mean she and frankie together made it fabulous it's just gorgeous right and harvey of course luca luca yeah uh, frank frankie's partner um is a big part of it as well and i believe he's going to be doing some emceeing that night good yeah, it's, you know, it really is. Hope did a lot of work, and mm-hmm. they all did, and, and we're just lucky enough to be able to perform there, and we're so happy for them because supposedly, other than the front room, which I think they just opened, mm-hmm. uh, this is the, this will be the first show back in that room. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, that's great. So how do you decide, Christy, I know you've been doing a Doris Day tribute for a long time, and a show like this, how do you pick the, I mean, do you, do you pick the songs that, songs that people remember most that she did when you pick your material? I, I yeah, I am. I'm going to do uh, two, two of her number one upbeat songs and one ballad. Okay. And I'm not going to tell anybody what they are, but okay. trust me, you'll love them. Okay. And so let's... And I'm going to be... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go, no, I was just going to ask. I know you got... This is a big show coming up, but you got some other things coming up too. Tell people about where else you're going to be in the next couple of months. Well, sure. Well, tonight I'm at uh, the Westin again. I'm at the Westin Mission Hills Resort. Uh, over on Dinah Shore, and yeah. I'm there tonight, and I'm also there next Friday night uh, with my piano player uh, and in the lounge. Mm-hmm. It, there's no cover charge. It's 6 to 10 o'clock in the lounge at the Westin, so that's tonight and next Friday night. And then starting in November, 
I start back at the Indian Wells Resort Hotel, and I'll be uh, having my own show. Uh, finally, this is the first time I'll have my own show there. Well, other than my doorstay show, I've mm-hmm. done that several times. But mm-hmm. uh, every Thursday, oh, every excellent. single Thursday, starting in November, which is the fourth, mm-hmm. uh, all the way through May. And then every second Monday of the month as well, which starts on the 8th. That's with Larry Capoloto. Mm-hmm. I'm one of his featured singers yeah. that, month, that week. Second Monday of every month and every Thursday uh, starting November 4th, my own show. I'll be doing Doris Day. I'll be doing Peggy Lee. I'll be doing Christy King, mm-hmm. uh, Shaka Khan, Aretha mm-hmm. Franklin, Whitney Houston, Anita Baker, all of it. Excellent. And now- uh, Yeah. Now that show on the show on Thursdays, uh, starting November, is that? Do you have a, a pianist? Are you singing with a with a trio or a pianist? I or? am. Okay, cool. I am. I Excellent. am. Uh huh. And I do. I do all of my all my tunes, which is um, you know, Bonnie. You know what I do. I do everything from everything. the seventies up. So, yeah. And some and of course the Doors Day and Peggy Lee and stuff like that's much older. But most of my choices of songs start in the seventies and go all the way up. Mm-hmm. So. I do a little bit of everything. I take requests. I play mm-hmm. music trivia with everyone, mm-hmm. and I keep it. I keep it fun. Yeah. So I'm. I'm curious. Is there? I mean, no. You've been in this business a long time, and I know you do a wide variety of stuff. Is there an, a genre or a, a decade of music that you uh, relate to more, or you, or you're more enjoy more doing? Yes, absolutely. It's always been Motown. I am a okay. rhythm and blues singer, honey. Okay. Yep. That's my that is my main style. That is my favorite music, and um, that that seems to be what I, uh, you know, wh- where my heart goes to, mm-hmm. and that's what gets requested a lot. Mm-hmm. So, what do you yep, what, what I are, like? The, I like the Motown. What are a couple of your your top Motown tunes that you do that you like to do the best? Well, I mean anything by uh, Aretha, uh-huh. Whitney. Anita Baker, yeah. Shaka Khan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just went to see Shaka uh, last weekend at the Fantasy Springs. How was that? I do. Oh God, man, she was. Oh, she's so thin. She was so skinny. I couldn't believe really? it. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, who cares? Yeah. Right? But it, I mean, I was just so shocked. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. last time I saw her, she she was larger. Mm-hmm. And she always looks great. And she always sounds mm-hmm. great. But it was it was quite a shock when she walked out. I mean, she was in like a size six bodysuit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and, and she sounded amazing, and she is one of my favorites, I will say. And as a matter of fact, um, my piano player, Leon Biscara, played with Shaka Khan mm-hmm. for many, many years. I used to go see him with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll be with me at the Westin tonight. Leon Biscara, he played with Anita Baker. He was on a world tour for 10 years with Randy Crawford. He's played with Diane Shore. and he's a great... Yeah, uh, he's terrific, yeah. He really he's is. He's a great jazz uh, pianist as well, so... He's always working with me, and that's that's always really nice. When we do the Anita Baker songs and the Shaka Khans, we just bring the house down. Mm-hmm. And what, what, I know I've asked you this before. You've been on the show before, but I, I, uh, maybe it's changed. Do you have any any pre-performance rituals, any pre-show? Do you meditate? Do you do anything special before you're going to go perform? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I don't. I, like I always say, a prayer. Yeah. Um, you always say a prayer, like an internal prayer, my mm-hmm. own personal prayer, you know, mm-hmm. um, just thanking, thanking God for the blessings and the ability to be able to perform and entertain people. 
But honestly, other than some warming up and uh, a light prayer, mm-hmm. no, I really don't do. I don't do anything. I just, I just get in there and get up there and 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 do my thing. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing it a long time. I, I'm not going to tell you how long, but it's a long time. Well, I mean, you, I've, I've, seen, I've seen a little video of you when you were a kid. I mean, what was it, uh, 8, 10, 10 or whatever it was? Yeah, 20 years ago, yes. Yeah. Yes, I know. Time flies. <laughs> so, so um, okay, again, so the song, Songs of the Legends dinner show at Frankie's Old World Town Bakery and Supper Club, Saturday, October 16th, 6 p.m. So fabulous Christy King as Doris Day, Joel Baker doing a tribute Thank to you. Robert Goulet, playing piano, Frankie Mamoni doing Jerry Vale, Kitty Murray doing Marilyn Monroe, and Tommy Dodson doing Nat King Cole. Wonderful dinner, and there is a vegetarian option, which I like because I don't eat meat. Um, $70 yeah. a person, but as you say, you know, for dinner and show like this, that's that's really a pretty good price. Um, and the, dessert. And dessert. And dessert, yeah. And for tickets, you can go to frankiesitalianbakery.com or 760-770-1300. And it's right on Perez, right in Cathedral yeah. City. It's pretty pretty easy to find. Um, they have to look for that sign. You know, they definitely, when they go down Perez, it's uh, Building F. Yeah. And they have to, you know, they have to look for that little sign with the Italian flag on it and everything. You right. Know. Yeah. The first time you go, you just, it's hard to find yeah. sometimes, but yeah, look for that. Um, and uh, what else did I want to ask you? Do you, do you, uh, do you play an instrument yourself? I know you do rhythm instruments and that kind of thing. But do you play piano or anything? I, I, you know, I play piano by ear. Okay. And, uh, but ne- never on stage. Mm-hmm. And um, on stage, I always play percussion. So I have mm-hmm. about five different pieces of percussion that I use and it's kind of my thing mm-hmm. uh, my chimes my chimes everybody loves my chimes mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I always have those bodies. ring those times yeah I've seen pictures yeah I, yeah I just love them they make they just make on certain songs they make such a nice addition it but yes. yeah hand percussion mm-hmm. and then uh, just belt it out I'm a belter yeah and uh, one last question um do you have you do you write have you ever written songs do you do you oh, like yeah. to Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, Leon and I wrote 15 songs together. Um, I've performed them in Vegas before. Mm-hmm. I've recorded an album of all of them. And oh, um, I, also have an al- I also have an album mm-hmm. uh, called By Request, which is all the songs that most people ask mm-hmm. me to sing, and most yeah. of them are Motown. Yeah. And then I also have a Doris Day CD that I recorded of her top 11 hits. Excellent. All right. Well, Christy King, break a leg. I know you guys are going to be fabulous on the 16th. Break a leg for all your great shows. Congratulations. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for being here with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, honey. All right. The fabulous Christy King. We'll be back with more on the desert scene in just a bit. From musical theater to literature and all the other stuff we enjoy in between, making desert life so vibrant. You're listening to Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza and the Desert Scene on Radio 111. Here's Bonnie and Brian. And oh, I was going to say, Go ahead. Well, hey, welcome back. And you know what? 
Andrew Lloyd Webber's fascinates me. He really is a fascinating person to me. Like, I overall just really love his shows for the most part. I think there's this joke in the theater community that you're kind of a hack if you like Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals, but I don't know. I feel like he's made too many musicals for me to I mean, there's some good music. You gotta give him that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And I actually thought I saw uh, Variety actually pull out this um, Variety magazine pull out a whole like issue on Andrew Lloyd Webber for the most part. And so previously on the show when it was called something else, I forgot what it was, but <laughs> what it's if, a memory, the yeah. the counting corner, whatever, yeah. okay. or the political corner. I'm just kidding. Imagine. But I was going to say that um, we talked about how like Andrew Lloyd Webber got a lot of controversy because he wanted to, you know, reopen the show, uh, open shows to full capacity. A little too soon. A many little thought. too soon. Yeah. yeah. And he even said, I'll go to jail. But I think that, I think in his opinion, he was not, he actually clarified that it wasn't necessarily that, oh, I'm going to really do it. You know, it's more of like, I want to make a point that like, you know, vaccines were effective, people will be masked and people can be safe in the theater because he feels like the theater industry will be losing a lot of money over the years. And I know that like, I personally think that Andrew Lloyd Webber is not going to starve but I, I get yeah, what he's I, trying to say. If he never did another show, he's not going to starve. You know? <laughs> no, certainly not. And uh, one thing is that he talked about how like he's really happy that Phantom's coming back on Broadway. But I feel like still like I still feel like there's this attitude too about you know it, it's complex because yes, like we do want theater audiences back if, certainly because the theater needs them. But how do we make it where it's that you know safe it, and profitable. right that is it's such that is such and right now i feel like it's a really big issue um and even locally from from performers i mean i know a lot of singers and performers um who are out there doing stuff now and you know certain cities have vaccine mandates and certain cities don't and some clubs have them and some don't and some might look for cards and it's you know it's a it is a tough decision, but, you know, I think everyone has to err on the side of taking care of themselves and their own health. And yeah. I do think there is, I do think there is some responsibility on the part of uh, venues, restaurant owners, club owners, bar owners, venue owners, to keep both their uh, um, patrons and their performers safe. No, yeah. That's my two cents. No, I certainly agree with you because the fact is that... Um it's like when I went to go see the Rocky Horror Show, like it it was a small enough venue that I did feel that like, you know Well, they asked for vaccination, vaccination cards. Vaccination cards. Yep. And they really went out of their way to do that. And mm -hmm. I know that for example, like Andrew Lloyd Webber was against having too many like regulations at a show because he feels like, you know what, like I think that we could fill it up. We just have to be careful to like mitigate it in a way that we can make money because it, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber is used to sell out shows you know of course he is you know like and i almost and and he's not a covid denier he certainly said you know mm -hmm. of course covid's a real dangerous mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. but i think it's safe and it's kind of one of those things where i kind of want to tell mr weber like sir i mean you could go back to like raising money like you did earlier in he's the year. not a doctor he's, he, not, a doctor. he's not qualified really to say what's safe and what's not that's true and the one thing i remember that I was telling somebody about was, I just think Lloyd Webber, I think Lloyd Webber has good intentions. I just think that he has, a mi I think it's one of those people that, you know, he's telling himself something safe before it's really safe, you know? And I feel like 
I feel like you can get sold out shows in a place like New York with vaccine mandates. I mean, there are plenty of people out Ab- there. Absolutely. Well, it, look at the Tony Awards. Everyone in the audience at the Tony Awards had on a mask. Yeah, and, and, and I don't know what they did about vaccines or testing, but I have a feeling it was probably pretty. Rig- and, you know, here's the thing. Um, it's First of all, Andrew Lloyd Webber's not a do- I love his shows. I think he's a very talented guy. Andrew Lloyd Webber's not a doctor. He's not a medical professional. And there have been there have been cases. We've all heard about them of someone even who was vaccinated who went into a crowded thing. Somebody else was like sick. 11. They got it. And now usually, usually if you're vaccinated, uh, you might get sick, but you don't end up in a hospital and die. But there've been there've there been a couple of stories of, of people who vaccinated still die. And yeah, like in Aladdin, for example, Aladdin on Broadway mm-hmm. had a bunch of breakthrough cases, yeah. and it was in the cast, and they just couldn't figure out what happened. And you know, to kind of tell you the re- reason I read this article is because Andrew Lloyd Webber actually doesn't need a doctor's note because apparently um, he saw the movie Cats, and he bought a dog for emotional support. <laughs> and he said that he had he went out of his way to try to get like a doctor's note for the emotional support animal and the doctor said you don't need a note we'll just sign it over to you and i think it's like i think Andrew Lloyd Webber's had that happen to him and now he's like yep i i know health now no yeah no <laughs> just no. kidding no, i mean I here's the him. thing money's great theater's great but is it worth someone dying no of course no not. it's not and i think that i think it's interesting because like I don't know. I'm just going to leave it at that. That I, I just think it's a cure. It's a, it's a complex issue, and I just feel like we'll get to that point where we can be prof- uh, profitable in theater and be able to keep people safe. And also, I mean, it's already been proven locally with the Desert Rose Playhouse. You can do it. Yeah, you, you can, can do, do it. Ask for vaccine. And they were sold out and had the show extended. And they still, but they asked for vaccination cards at the door. So what does that yeah. tell you? It tells you a lot about the fact that a small city can do it. I'm sure a big town can yep. do it. All right, we'll be back with more. Actually, when we come back, we're going to talk to Michael Shaw. He's going to tell us what's coming up at Desert in just a bit. From architecture to painting and sculpture, literature to live music and theater, Radio 111 presents Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza with The Desert Scene, your connection to culture and entertainment in the desert cities. Here's Bonnie and Brian. And we are back on The Desert Scene on Radio 111, and we're now joined by another friend of mine, a veteran who's been on the show many times, Michael Shaw, talking about... Hi. Hey. Bonnie and Brian, hi. It feels like it's been like 12 years. (laughs) <laughs> you know? Oh my God! Honey. You know what? When Brian, when when David, our PR guy, told me that you know we get to do our talk, I'm like, oh my God! I'm so excited! Yay! He's like it's over the phone, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I miss you so much. Oh, I know. Well, one of these days, one of these days, we're going to get back to live in studio interviews. But tell us, so Desert, you're going to be back rolling again. Tell us what's coming up. I know. Well, we started rehearsals Monday night, just four nights ago, for our first musical, our first ever Yay. musical. And uh, it's called Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful, sweet love story between two high school graduates. They um, become fast friends over a phone, uh, over a, uh, an album. Okay. Um, in the early 90s in a small town in Nebraska. 
the captain of the football team and the president of the chess club, mm. Mike and Will. Okay. And they fall in love over a cassette tape. Mm. They both love the music. They share the music. And over the course of the uh, musical, they share this passion for music and end up falling in love. And it's just this very sweet celebratory love story. Um, celebrating pride because we're a week from pride at that point. So we mm-hmm. thought it would be appropriate. Plus mm-hmm. we just wanted to do something that was fun and not heavy and something that was just welcome back. Yes. And we kind of are pulling out all the stops. We're outside. We're going to be at the Rancho Mirage Amphitheater. So we've more than doubled our audience for this. That's fabulous. And we're doing dinner and a show. So wow. you can have dinner with four friends and say and see the show. So grab a bite to eat with a glass of wine that's included and watch a wonderful story. Now tell me, so the dinner, so now at the, I haven't actually, uh, I've driven, I haven't been in at, at the amphitheater. So do you sit there and eat or you eat somewhere else and then come there? No, you sit there. So they have tables. The, the amphitheater is huge. I mean, okay. if you were to put individuals there, it's, it's like 1,200. Wow. But we only have it set up for 250 and okay. 27 tables. We're going to have 27 tables. And then um, you get a three-course meal catered by Lulu okay. and includes wine and tip and gratuity. Everything's included plus the show. Mm-hmm. So you have dinner for about an hour, hour and 15, and then the show starts. Um, If you decide you don't want to have dinner with us, which we would love to have you join us, Mm -hmm. um, there is general seating available. So general admission would be in the upper tiers of the amphitheater because it's all tiered. Mm -hmm. So the dinner dinner tables are all in the first three tiers. Okay. And then the fourth and fifth tier, every every seat, by the way, is a great seat because it's an outdoor amphitheater. Right. Um, Then tiers four and five, we have general seating um, for those who aren't able to join us for dinner. How exciting is that? Now, now tell me about now. So your is now is you've directed musicals before, haven't you, or have you? I have not. <laughs> so, so this was kind of this was kind of an exciting jump off of a ledge thing for me. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know if I've ever told you, but you know, friends will tell you, colleagues will tell you that I swore we will never do a musical because other theaters do them and they do them well, and mm-hmm. it's not my. It's not my thing. Mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't look at musicals like, you know what, I want to produce a musical. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that I don't love them because I just saw Hamilton for the third time. Oh, my goodness. And I've actually performed, I performed as a dancer um, in over 30 musicals. So yeah. musical theater is very much a part of my life. I just thought, you know what, I want to let the professionals do it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. But, but when I find a story that I think is a really important story to tell because it taps into a very different time, you know, 30 years ago in a small town in Nebraska. And, you know, it's a story of so many of young gay boys' lives, you know, mm-hmm. like that first time you fall in love with somebody. Yes. Um, and I have an incredible team. So the guys at Desert Theatricals who actually operate out of the amphitheater, they did, mm-hmm. they've done... Pirates of Penzance, and they're doing Mamma Mia this year. Huge, huge musicals. These guys are really big pros. Mm-hmm. They're coming in, and they're joining us as a team. So they're musical directing and choreographing, and then I'm doing the staging as the director, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a wonderful collaboration. So I'm in great hands, and I'm excited to be working with these boys because they are just, you know, just they're pros. And uh, Tom's designing our set, and he has a, a 50... 
foot wide set stage to work with. So mm-hmm. he's like in heaven right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're just excited. There's something totally different for us. So musical direction by Joshua Carr, choreography by Ray. How do you pronounce his last name? Um, Lamont. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. I want to get that and, right. And starring, returning from Hand to God, Eddie Vona is coming back. Okay. And he is joined by his partner and husband, Kyle Hester, plays opposite him. Excellent. So um, it's a husband and husband team, mm-hmm. and they are absolutely delightful together. And we're just having we're having the time of our lives. Fabulous. So let's do, let's go on and t- talk about the rest of the season. What else is coming up? So in January we move back into the women's club, which is our home, as you know. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> we open in January with a two-person drama called The Mountaintop. Okay. And it's a reimagining of uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s last night on Earth. Mm. So he's visited by a stranger. This woman visits him in his hotel room, uh, the Lorraine Hotel in Memphis. And we don't know who she is, but she comes as um, uh, housekeeping. But she's not housekeeping. So we're like, who is this mystery person? And he's very suspect because the FBI is investigating him at the time and everything. So this woman visits him. And there is an amazing revelation on who she is. So it's not based in fact. It's someone's reimagined story of what might have happened the night before he died. And it is brilliant. Um, I found it, and it was on Broadway. Angela Bassett and uh, Samuel L. Jackson did it on Broadway about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cortez Johnson returns after having done Sweat. He comes back and he'll be playing Martin Luther King Jr. Wow. Okay. And uh, so we're doing that. And then the second, our third show is Grand Concourse, which is a drama comedy set in a soup kitchen in the Bronx run by a nun who has lost her faith in God. (laughs) Okay. Wow. um, It's very, it's very, very funny, actually. It's hysterically funny. Okay. Okay. and she's trying to run the soup kitchen. So there's a story about her and her relationship with a young volunteer who tries to help her out in the soup kitchen. Um, and things don't go as planned. Okay. So there's that. And then our last show of the season opening in April, we're actually closing out our season with what we originally wanted to close out in 2020. And that's the one man show starring Joel Bryant. And that's every brilliant thing, okay. which is the, um, hysterical comedy actually out of Britain um, called Every Brilliant Thing, and it is a comedy. It's the funniest play you'll ever see about depression. Mm, wow, and, um, okay. Joe Joel, Joel Bryant uh, stars in that, and he's been chomping at the bit for almost two years to do it, so now he gets his chance. Excellent, excellent. And I want to uh, touch on something that we were actually just talking about before. Uh, on your PR, it says, Important COVID-19 Policy. The health, safety, and well-being of our patrons, staff, and artists. Desart requires guests to be fully vaccinated. Upon arrival, all guests must present a photo ID along with proof of vaccination, which I think is fabulous. I'm really glad you're doing Good. that. Good. Well, thank you. Um, our entire company is vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And while we're in production, um, we are doing weekly uh, COVID-19 testing within the company as well. Excellent. Bri- Brian has a question for you. You know, I wanted to ask, because yeah. I know that um, you said earlier that musicals weren't your thing in terms of direction. I know that it's possible to love something but not necessarily want to create it, you know what I mean? And I wanted right. to ask you, since Girlfriend 
isn't like a soup i know girlfriend's well known in certain circles but it's not like like a phantom level did you feel that because of the fact that it wasn't as big as something as phantom did you feel like you had more leg room to be able to be creative and make mistakes because it is your first time making a musical did you feel like you were able to be more vulnerable with it or be able to play with it more um you know what not no that wasn't my thought going into it my thought was this is a story that needs to be told exactly and it's based on an entire album by Matthew Sweet, which I grew up with. I was in, you know, I just moved to Hollywood when Matthew Sweet's album came out, uh, Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So this is based on the album um, of the same name by Matthew Sweet. So the music was a huge draw, as was the story. And, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm inclined to do things that are risky ever, you know, I mean, Ask Bonnie. I will. You know, I don't. I don't do the normal. Yeah, he's, you know, that's the normal true. Stuff. That's true. Yes. So nothing ever really makes me fearful in terms of my creating. Um, what I do do, and I think I do well, is I support. My, I surround myself with really, really good, good, keep uh, yeah. a great team and very, very talented people. Yeah. Um, so I never go into things like, oh my god, you know, I never look for an out. I just look for this is something I want to do and I'll figure it out. Yeah. That's Good just for how you. I approach life. That's a great <laughs> so, episode. That's awesome. I want to get this in. So for tickets. So by the way, girlfriend, four nights only, October 27th through the 30th, dinner and show mm-hmm. option at the Rancher Marsh Amphitheater. For tickets, you can call 760-322-0179 or go to Desart Performs, D-E-Z-A-R-T, performs.com. Correct? Did I get all that in? Correct, correct. Dot com or dot org will get you to the same spot. Okay. Um, and if you want to get if you want to get your friends together for a dinner and a show, do it now because those tables are selling. The tables are selling fast. I had someone want a six top. We have a few six tops, and I'm like, oh my god, I have one left, and he's like, I want it. So. Um, Grab it now. Grab it now because we're just less than three weeks away. And the, if you're doing dinner, uh, what time does that start? Six? Does that start at six or what time? So we're opening the house at 5.30 for dinner guests. Okay. We want to give ourselves about 30 minutes because we have a lot of check-in that's going to happen between mm-hmm. checking vaccine cards and all that stuff. So dinner starts at 6, and then uh, there's a no-host bar, so there's an open bar for anybody who wants to have a cocktail beforehand. That includes general admission. They're welcome to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so general admission will open the house at quarter till 7, which gives those folks plenty of time, 45 minutes, to get a cocktail, to mm-hmm. sit and relax, take in the scenery, and then the show starts at seven thirty for everybody. Excellent! What a great, what a great way to kick off your season. That Thank is you. so exciting, and you know, and of course, in the, in the desert, late October is perfect weather usually. Perfect, oh, and also oh, a variety I woke up of this shows. morning. Yeah. What's that? What's that, Brian? No, I was going to say also I love looking at your season because there's like a variety of shows and opportunities for diversity, not only of stories, but the types of people telling the stories. Like, mm-hmm. I love it. Like, I'm digging it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you know what? I do have to give a, I, I do have to give a, a little plug to. Yes. Um, in November, we're presenting a special staged reading of a new play by Lorenz Catava. Okay. And it's a benefit it's okay. a stage reading, a stage play reading of a, a new play called Speak My Words, Tell My Truth. And it chronicles um, uh, black male gay figures 
Okay, that would be great. Uh, we are presenting it, and the benefit uh, it benefits Brothers of the Desert, which is a wonderful nonprofit organization for friends and members of the Black community. So, all right, we'll have to have you come back for that. We we'll have to come back on and talk about that. Uh, Michael Shaw, congratulations on Desert's new season, and so great this new show, Girlfriend. Break a leg, and thank you so much for being thank here. You, my dear. Love you talking too, to you. guys. Brian, take care. Thank uh, you. All right, Michael Shaw will be back with more on the Desert scene in just a bit. likes to read she likes to sing and act they both love the coachella valley and they love talking about the desert scene with you on radio 111 here's bonnie g and brian mendoza so there's been a lot of protests over well not anything well actually i think it's important stuff because it's the theater community and of course what reflects in the outside world definitely reflects in the theater community absolutely and so the theater community there's been a lot of discussions about wages and how many people how um how much how much you pay somebody and it's a whole conversation so over in north shore uh the north shore musical theater company over in beverly massachusetts had a had to cancel their production of mamma mia Uh especially on open night on opening night because of the fact that all the stagehands went on strike and they actually went on strike the day of the performance and of course like they they were discussing the fact that the person who owns the actual theater hasn't paid them well enough and that they're underpaid for a lot of work Mm -hmm. and also that a lot they also are processing the fact that a lot of people who were trying to get rehired they can't get rehired even though the pandemic has sort of eased up eased a up a yeah. bit and yeah. that they feel like we can reasonably get these people on mm-hmm. to work and so the community decided the the theater company decided to like um, i guess the company not the actual company but like the company mm-hmm. uh they decided to finally unionize and do a protest mm-hmm. and 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 i know that some people get mad about uh, some people at the actual show like the patrons were getting mad because of the fact that oh the mamma mia show got canceled mm-hmm. so that's what happened over in beverly massachusetts hey, no was that like in the recently like the last few days or week or so this happened two days ago actually okay so we don't know what the resolution is at not, this point. okay not yet sadly and okay. i was gonna say that um for me it sort of speaks volumes about the fact that like you know it is a very difficult issue because right now theater companies are struggling but there's also mm-hmm. a thing where like you know if you're going to perform, set up a whole production, you have to pay the people there well. Exactly. And, you know, this also comes back to a bigger picture. I mean, it's really, I think, an issue that's arisen and really a big issue, especially during the pandemic and now, this, is caring about what happens to other people, not just me. Well, I'm being paid well at my job, so I, you know, I don't. I wanted to go see Mama Mia, but Mia, they canceled it. Well, that's not fair. Well, maybe that stagehand is trying to feed his family, so maybe to stop and think about someone else besides you. I think also, I think with you, Bonnie, I think you you've had enough experience that you could actually attest to the fact that stagehands do actually save. Oh they, my gosh. they save the show. You can't you can't do a show without stagehands, backstage people, people moving tr- props around in scenery. You can't. You got to have them. And yeah. And the fact is that uh, the actual union members 
have state said to the art to the newspaper that I've actually that I borrowed this from uh, CBS Boston, they they are sad about the fact that they had to cancel a show oh, that sure. they love. I'm sure. Especially Mamma Mia because, you know, I don't think Mamma Mia is the greatest show, but it's a fun it's show. Fun it's fun and upbeat and people need that right now. Yeah, yeah, and if anything, you know, like you said, need it now. And yeah. a lot of, and there's also been like employees there at the theater just to let you know that like not everyone agrees. Like you mm-hmm. said, it's funny you touched on the point that it's not only the it's patrons. It's not just about you. Think about other people. Like yeah. there's an employee of the theater who actually was against them too it's like mm-hmm. saying to the stagehands you know it's really unfair because i wanted to go back to work mm-hmm. and it's unfair that you, you have to do it on opening night but mm-hmm. it's also one of those things where according to the article they were negotiating for a while so this was not something that just they sprung on them at the last second they've yeah. been talking about it yeah, yeah. and yeah. what happened was that the negotiations were just not progressing so they all walked away. They yeah. all walked off yeah. and started to protest. And I think this is the thing. I would rather have a very happy state, very happy stage, uh, stage hand yeah. crew. I was gonna say. I don't know what yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah. But I was yeah. gonna say. I wanted them. To, I want them to be happy because guess what? When the show gets put on, it reflects on yeah. the performers. They're gonna do a better job, and the whole thing will be better. Yeah. yeah, and like, there's a reason why a lot of like we talked about Broadway flops earlier in the show in the last hour last hour and it's because a lot of those shows had terrible terrible behind the scenes problems and that can sink hated. a show yeah that can easily sink a show and yeah. you can have like the most brilliant cast and great director but if you don't pay your the stage scenery's work, falling down and the props aren't there <laughs> and the curtain doesn't go up or whatever yeah yeah and also it's funny because in the in the movie industry and i'll talk about and i talked about it on flicks mm-hmm. and picks they are actually still negotiating a strike with the state, the equivalent of the stage hands mm-hmm. for movies like the crews. Mm-hmm. If they go on strike, a lot of movies don't Absolutely. get made. Absolutely. And I'm one of those people that I believe that we need, I think we, I think theater needs to be taught in schools as almost like a requirement or something that gets put, gets pushed because I think people need to see Some that basics to understand the basics. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that there should be a basic education about how theater works because I feel like people kind of go into a show and kind of see like, I don't know how to say it, but like robots in their yeah. mind, like people that just know their lines and know everything. Right. They, they, they don't, they don't take into consideration how much prep went into this, how much work went in and how many people are actually involved that you may not see on stage. Yeah. And yeah. I remember like I saw sometimes uh, I, I don't do a lot of theater personally, but I've been behind the state scenes a lot. And I can tell you, you think that there's two people on stage? No, there's a hundred people yeah. mm-hmm. on that stage. It's just that they're hiding. You don't see them uh, personally. Yeah. Yeah. And you should be happy that you don't see them because that's their job. Right. Exactly. Good point. All right. Okay. We're going to be back with uh, Jerome Elliott, my buddy. He is directing and a cast member in a show I'm doing for Desert Ensemble Theater Company. We'll talk to him in just a moment. Brian continue with the desert scene on Radio 111. Here they are. 
And we're back on the desert scene on Radio 111, our new home. And now we're joined, this has been a, a, a show full of friend, really good friends of mine, our guests, which is great. So now we're joined by the fabulous Jerome Elliott, who is the director. He also conceived the show. He's part of the cast and the show I'm doing. I'm very excited. Reunited, and it feels so good. The Desert Ensemble Theater Company's uh, scholarship benefit concert season opener, season 11. Hey, Jerome. Hi, Bonnie. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks so much for being here. So, uh, as you know, I am, you know, beyond excited to be part of the show. I've wanted to be part of the season opening concert for a long time, and I finally made the cut. So tell tell people how you came up with this theme this year. Well, first of all, we're delighted to have you on in the show with us. Thank um, you. And I'm so happy that you're able to do it, because we're having a great time in rehearsal. Yes. I came up with this theme because it's the first time that our theater company is getting together to do a live presentation in 19 months. Mm -hmm. So we are definitely reunited and it really does feel so good. And usually for these concerts, I always pick uh, some sort of theme that we work around. For example, the last one two years ago was on the 21st century. They were all songs from Broadway from the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. This time I'm keeping a little more loose. We're Mm -hmm. just not having all so much fun being live again i decided to let you all pick what you want to sing because mm-hmm. anything that you sing and make makes you happy is going to make the audience happy so we've got a diverse group of singers i mean you're very uh, american songbook and mm-hmm. darcy is more jazz jazzy yeah uh charles is broadway yep. opera yes pop. he can charles Herrera can do anything and then i kind of you know i'm kind of uh comedy uh cabaret, cabaret yeah obscure uh so it's uh it's a lot of fun we got 24 numbers i think and each one of them i love yeah and me of course joel baker the fabulous joel, joel baker's baker musical director music director for the very first time yep and we're delighted to work with joel he's one of the best he is the best in the valley there's just no question and we're new home right palm springs cultural center talk about that move mm-hmm. we have been for the past seven seasons at the Palm Springs Women's Club. Uh, The seasons before that, we were at the uh, Annenberg over at the Art Museum. But uh, when Coyote Stageworks unfortunately closed their doors um, this summer, and we're all going to really miss them because they did great work, we decided to move from the Women's Club downtown to the Palm Springs Cultural Center, which many people know is the home of the Camelot Theaters. Uh, It's better parking for our patrons than downtown. Mm -hmm. It's um, a little more comfortable seating and yeah. it's just a different feel for us we're, we're also going to get great exposure by being at the cultural center we have an ad on their screens before every movie so everybody who mm-hmm. comes to see a movie there knows that desert ensemble theater is there so we really think this of uh, this is a growth move our company. Absolutely. And the other thing was we had to, and of course I just just spoke to uh, Michael Shaw about um, Des Art. Uh, we, when we, you were there, Des Ensemble Theater kind of had to juggle seasons a little bit with what Des Art was doing and now you we don't did. have that issue. Yeah. yeah, we had to negotiate dates with yeah. Michael and it was always very, it was always wonderful. We always both got the dates mm. that we wanted. Sometimes we had to compromise a little. Yeah. But there's also other activities that go on in the women's club, the women's club activities themselves. So this gives us much more flexibility with our calendar to yeah. actually get the dates that we want. And do you want to talk a little bit about the rest of the season? 
sure. We've got a great season coming up. Um, first play in this opens December 10th. It's called the Bebo Brinker Chronicles, and it's based on a series of lesbian pulp fiction novels from the 1950s and 60s. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, wonderful television actress and theater actress Judith Chapman She's is directing. Fabulous, yes. Judith is fabulous. And turns out the author, Anne Bannon, who wrote the original pulp fiction novels, is going to be in our audience opening night and, oh, wow. and give a curtain speech to our audience. It was just a part of fate. One of our audience mem- members used to teach college with her in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're very excited about that. And then we're doing an original work by Tony Padilla called Artificial Morality, which really takes a look at how people can kind of twist the truth on the internet these days to their own advantage. Yes. And I do, I do believe you have a role in that. I do. I'm really excited about it. <laughs> uh, Tony Padilla considers you his muse. Oh, that's so me. sweet. I'm so honored by that. Yeah. And then in um, February, we're doing a play called Salty, which is loosely based on the story of the two penguins in the Dutch zoo who adopted an egg, the two male penguins, and the world watched. And the author, A.J. Klaus, uh, set it against a story of climate change in the last zoo on the planet. Wow. I'm directing that. That's uh, it's interesting. Funny. Yeah, it's funny. It's touching. When I read it, I couldn't put it down. And yeah. finally, we have Keith Cornell uh, directing All This in- Intimacy by Rajiv Joseph, who uh, has been a Pulitzer Prize nominee. And uh, it's a sex comedy gone wrong about a young college professor who in the course of one week impregnates three women. Uh, wow. Including <laughs> okay. a, stu- a student, his girlfriend, and his 42-year-old neighbor. And boy, does he get in a lot of trouble. Well, uh, as, he yes. as he should. As yeah. he should. As he should. When I read it, I thought this is funny, but it's also kind of a statement on male privilege, and especially white male privilege. Mm. Um, yeah. So um, we think that's going to be a very... Uh, appealing uh, show for our audience both from a comedy level and also from a learning experience. Yeah. So that's our season. It's yeah. rich, it's diverse and uh, it opens October 22nd with this concert. Would you say, so this is season 11 when, it, when I know you weren't uh, you didn't have the title you have now at the very beginning but from what you've watched from the very beginning up until now do you think Desert Ensemble and Tony's vision and Ed, has, has, has the vision unfolded the way um, you think uh, the way you envisioned it or the way you think Tony envisioned it or what what has or well, has it surpassed everything um, I think we've surpassed it we've certainly kept uh, Tony Padilla our, art- our original artistic director and founder mm-hmm. now our artistic director emeritus um, had a vision of a company where artists could come and grow and mm-hmm. bring things to the table I know I've brought plays to the table uh, Miss Gulch Returns being one of them mm-hmm. which was a one one person show that I, I performed such fun and, yes uh, really empowered all of us as who were members of the company to make it our own. Mm-hmm. So, and, and of course, Tony is a prolific writer. Yes, he is. And um, we always try to do one of his works every season. A couple of seasons it didn't work out that we had anything. Mm-hmm. But um, Pete, Pete, Tony writes theater of the mind. It's very intellectual. It, it mm-hmm. makes you think. It's very rich and linguistically deep. Yes. And uh, I became artistic director three and a half years ago, although I've only produced one and a half seasons mm. because of the pandemic. Right. But um, I just decided to follow in that trajectory and try to find plays that probably you wouldn't see at other theater companies here mm-hmm. in Palm Springs. 
And um, also, one of the things that uh, I really like about DETC is uh, the focus they put on students, young people, learning theater and scholarships and that kind of thing. Right. Well, this benefit, this 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 weekend, the entire weekend, all three performances are a benefit mm-hmm. for our internship and scholarship fund. We have given $18,000 in scholarships since 2011. Uh, student interns come and they work backstage with us. They work with our lighting designer, our costume designer, our set designer. They learn skills that they can then take on with them as they go on to their college studies. Mm-hmm. And a couple of a couple of our students, uh, one is the assistant stage manager of Hamilton on Broadway. That's Another so is great. teaching lighting design at Yale. So mm-hmm. we're very proud of them and they really work quite hard. Um, and don't haven't we watch them. Yeah, haven't we had a couple stu- haven't you had a couple students uh, direct things or student direct or assistant direct or well, student direct things? Uh, Ka- Cameron Keys who actually is dire- as a, a sophomore at College of the Desert now. Mm-hmm. He was in a play for us. He was in Expressions, um, played a teenager. Uh, he assistant directed Art um, Adoption Roulette mm-hmm. uh, a year and a half ago with Sean Abramowitz. Yep. yep. And he directed the table read of this play that you're going to yes. be in mm-hmm. and he's so wise and insightful way beyond his years and mm-hmm. he wanted to direct a play so he's directing a play in in uh march january he's excellent we're very 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 happy about that yeah excellent and tell us about your um and you work with sean abramo so what sean what's sean's uh, uh title again I'm artistic director. Sean is executive director, and we're we're kind of joined at the hip, the mm-hmm. two of us. You know, I, sometimes I don't know where I stop and he begins. Um, I'm responsible for all the artistic vision and the programming. He's responsible for uh, producing and uh, all the administrative things like insurance mm-hmm. and finance. And then there's some areas that we share together there's not a day goes by that we don't talk on the phone and and Um, it's it's important to have it's great that you have such a uh, great relationship because that would be that would be tough for a theater group if you didn't have that you know yeah it's we're like family yeah Uh, that's how we we consider it and um that's how we hope to continue going on one day uh in the future when sean and i have you know moved on we Mm -hmm. hope that there will be people coming behind us who share that same vision mm-hmm. and want to keep the company moving forward in that same fashion. And I want to ask, one thing I always love to ask directors, Jerome, is how would you describe your directing style? There are some directors who are kind of micromanagers who, you know, say the line this way, move this, do that, do this. Others are much more relaxed and kind of let the cast, let's try this and try that, see what works. And I've also heard directors say it's anywhere from 50, 60 to 90% of the success is casting. Do you agree with that? Casting is very, very important. You have to make sure you have the right energy, the right uh, interpersonal relationships between the actors on stage. My style, um, and you've probably seen a little bit of it as I've uh, directed this piece, is I want to see what you bring mm-hmm. to, um, in this case, you bring to the song if I was directing mm-hmm. a play. I want to see you at the table read, read through the play in the first few rehearsals on your feet, get a sense of the character. Only then will I start to try, if I see something that I think could be a little different or a little clearer or express a different way, I'll try to gently n- nudge you that way. There's mm-hmm. very, very rare instances where I will say, and here I need you to do this. Yeah. If, if that's really, really important, I'll do that. But mm-hmm. I'm more of a, a hands-off guy because in the end, an actor, a singer, they bring the performance. The director just enables them to fine-tune it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay, so the show is reunited, and it feels so good. The uh, Season 11 Scholarship Benefit Concert, Desert Ensemble Theater Company, at our new home, Palm Springs Cultural Center, October 22nd through the 24th, Friday and Saturday, 7 p.m., Sunday, 2 p.m. For tickets, people can uh, call 760-565-2476 or go to desertensembletheater.org. And um, what's the ticket price, so folks know? Uh, for- Friday night is a, has a reception. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sixty five dollars, and all of that goes to our scholarship fund. And then Saturday and Sunday matinee are forty five dollars. Okay, great, forty five. All right, and it's really, it's really, really a fun show. Again, Joel Baker, who's fabulous. We're so excited to be working with him, and and Darcy and Charles. And it's so great because we're all, we're all of us have been in the valley for a while. And we're all friends. We all know each other. We've all seen each other's performances, and I think we've all, in one way or another, worked together before. So it's just such a great uh, camaraderie and reunited, and doing some songs about friends. And and it's I think it's a really fun show. I hope everybody will come see it. And again, Jerome, thank you. I'm so happy to be part of it. And um, thank you, Bonnie. Can't wait to do the show. All yes, right. I will see I will see you at rehearsal. Yes, Jerome Elliott, thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Bob. We'll be back with more in the desert scene in just a bit. Desert Scene on Radio 111. Cultural events and the people who make it happen in the desert cities with Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza. Hey, we're back and you get to finally hear my voice again. Yay! <laughs> I always wonder what our audience thinks about like when I go silent he, during interviews. He's taking a nap. He's taking a nap. <laughs> wonder what he's doing. Yeah. Is he browsing on the internet? Yeah. Technically I am because I'm trying to find, find stories. news stories. Yeah. News stories so what's you know? what you're doing today in history? Yeah, yep. so today in pop culture history because we're a pop culture show in 1927 on October 8th Laura and Hardy become a team officially. Wow. And in 1927, the short film, The Second 100 Years, was released, and they were finally officially a team. Hmm. And I always... Now, have you ever, like, enjoyed anything for Laura and Hardy? You know, it's not really my thing, but obviously they were very talented. Oh, yeah. Know. It's kind of like the Three Stooges were, you yeah. know... I'm not a Three Stooges girl. <laughs> No. <laughs> I get that. That's uh, a guy thing, usually. Yeah. I was gonna say if you had if you had to go to a screening of Lauren Hardy movies or Three Stooges movies, Lauren Hardy, Lauren Hardy, yeah. I would say it would depend on the Three Stooges movies, mm-hmm. and I would depend on the Lauren Hardy. But, but for That's me, a good point. For me personally, maybe Lauren Hardy because they. How I think they have stronger stuff mm-hmm. as opposed to the Three Stooges, where it's just slapstick. It's just all silly th- slapstick. For I think part. they have good stuff. Mm-hmm. I just think that um, I'm gonna be honest. I just normally think that their weak stuff is really weak. Yeah, like yeah. I've seen some shorts when they do like the fake shimp 
like mm-hmm. when they have the fake actor and it's yeah. like oh yeah it's obvious that the actor is dead yeah you know? yeah yeah and um with lauren hardy like the fact is that like they're just i just think they're a really good team together and i saw this biopic they did of them and it was it was okay mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where like i know that in real life they there was some like tragedy mm-hmm. and a little bit more darkness to it mm-hmm. but i like the fact that their shows were just that their movies were just so much fun to watch yeah. if anything yeah but what else and then on october 9th 1986 the phantom premiered in west end wow. in the london west end and i got it and it became a tony winner of course it won best musical at the tonys and beat out into the woods mm-hmm. and many people have their opinions that into the woods should have won but i wanted to ask you into the woods or phantom i well i have to well i have to tell you and I'm embarrassed about it. I've never seen either one of them all the way through. I mean, I know I know Phantom much better than I know Into the Woods as far mm-hmm. as the story and the songs and all that. I mean, I've, I've heard the cast. I know all the music. You know, Into the Woods, I've heard a few things. So um, just based on that, uh, just from a popular standpoint, I could see why Phantom might have won. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes sense because like, I, I noticed that, I think I said this last week, that the Tonys are a popularity contest to a certain degree yeah yeah and so like if your show has a lot of traction it's going to be it's Mm going to win i think that it's i think what makes phantom so appealing is the fact that it is very mysterious and very Mm -hmm. like atmospheric Mm -hmm. like the rock music and the chandelier i was gonna say the chandelier i mean you have a love story and you have forbidden and you have danger and you have the chandelier we have all that stuff yeah and the and just the music itself holds up really well outside of it very dramatic yeah all i ask of you Mm -hmm. i mean great so many great songs so i can see that whereas into the woods is very much a stage musicals i i don't know if i don't know if i'm making sense but I feel like there are two types of music mm-hmm. when it comes to Broadway shows, like the singles, like shows, songs that can work. And out, something else, like Mac the Knife or, you know, uh, uh, almost like Being in Love, which was from Brigadoon, but it's now yeah. a jazz, jazz standard. Yeah. yeah. And there are sh- in the show songs, songs where the songs don't really work outside of the show. Mm-hmm. And Into the Woods has a lot of great songs, but like Last Midnight, which is the most popular one. Mm-hmm. I feel like that song only really works mm-hmm. in the show, and I don't like it when people sing it outside yeah. of it. Yeah. But I get it. That's a point. It. That's a point. What else? And I was also going to say that on, I was going to do October 10th, but we'll skip that one. But mm-hmm. October 11th is going live from New York. It's Saturday night. It's Saturday night live premiere. What year? 1975. Wow. Wow. So saturday night live actually finally premiered and i know that like back then it was actually called saturday night for a first couple episodes that's why mm-hmm. you'll say like you'll see them say it's saturday, saturday night. night yeah yeah and it's weird because i keep thinking they're saying live from new york it's saturday night live mm-hmm. but they never say yeah, it never like said, I, yeah. I don't know why i feel like they said it did you watch the new season did i watch the new season yeah the one that came out no i'm I, every now and then i'll watch it i mean I, it, it's. I don't think it's what it used to be. There, are, every now and then they'll have a a, a skitter segment that's really good. It's not what it used to be. I don't. Think. I think like for example, like one of the things I will say about New Saturday Night Live, it's just that I feel like they love a impersonation or a joke so much that they kind of drag it out. Like mm-hmm. I think like if anything, the Donald Trump years they really loved Alec Baldwin so much that you can kind of tell that he was getting tired of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame him because, I mean, I would get tired of putting on that performance because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, 
as someone said, sometimes it's funnier in real. It's not so funny when it's not that far off. You yeah, know, like exactly. And one of the, I just have to say that one of the funniest skits though I thought Saturday Night Live was uh, was it Melissa McCarthy dressed up as uh, the Sean Spicer. Yeah, that was hilarious when she's running around <laughs> on the podium chasing people. That was funny. That and was yeah. very funny. And you know it's weird because I actually told someone that some there's some weird millennial humor in Saturday Night Live with like the driving cat that just drives the car over the yeah. <laughs> the cliff and I told someone that joke has aged pretty well with millennials and I don't know what it is it's yeah absolutely yeah hilarious are we oh my gosh we're out of time thank you so much to our guests Christy King Michael Shaw Jerome Elliott all wonderful performers and um, thank you to Brian thanks Bonnie it's and thanks to show. every and thanks everybody for, for listening. listening and yes. all that and hey stay safe and have a good time please now. do yes see you next week.